Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hedlund. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello everyone, this is Leif and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. I am so excited. Uh, Today I have the honor of having one of my favorite people in the whole world. And I'm saying that with purpose and passion. And that is Tariq Shah. And he is a world changer and a history maker. And you're going to get to know a little bit more. And for me, he is a son. He is a friend. And uh, so Tariq, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hey, Baba Leif, it is exciting to be here today. And uh, just uh, let me just share a little bit about uh, Tariq. Oh, actually, let me throw the ball over to you quickly. When did we first meet? We met February 2008 in Stephen City, Virginia. You in a Baptist church. Yes, we did. Oh, that was fun. And that was about 12 years ago? That's exactly right. And then uh, what, what happened there? Uh, well, short, I got wrecked, and I realized that I wanted a father that looked a lot like you. Mm. Wow. So here we have a Pakistani that suddenly got this blonde-headed, blue-eyed Norwegian <laughs> father. Right. Yeah, yeah, I got my Viking spiritual father. Oh, okay, that's right. You need a little Viking blood <laughs> in you. And that is so beautiful. And then just tell a little bit just about our journey together. Well, it's been a, a, a wonderful journey. So after we um, connected in... Uh, Stephen City, Virginia, in February 2008, you mentioned to stay in touch. You kissed me and you said, keep in touch, son. Um, Now, I intuitively had this hunger, but I I didn't really understand what this was all about. So we connected a few times during that uh, year. And then uh, at that time, dear sister Leanne um, was uh, w- working here at GMA and, and, and uh, helping run in the office. And so there was a, um, a mission trip that was going to Cuba. And so I signed up for that trip. And uh, unfortunately, you, you were unable to, to go on that trip. I received an email back saying, Leif is not going to be on this trip. And if you're, you know, uh, you know, would like not to go, then we understand. And we understand the value, why people want, you know, want to travel with Leif. And I said, no, I, I, I still. I still want to go. There was something. There was something there. After that trip, it was uh, actually April of 2009. You had reached out to me again, um, and uh, right after Voice of the Apostles, you uh, came all the way to uh, to my uh, booming metropolis in Central New York of about 1,500 people, and, and spoke in my church. And um, there's one uh, encounter that changed my life. Uh, forever was uh, we went to Denny's afterwards and uh, you know um, uh, Leif you said you said uh, Tarek uh, you mentioned something uh, to me when when we met that you would um, follow me to the fire unless I did something really really heinous and you stopped and you started to tear up and you said I'm not perfect and I will guarantee I'll do something that will offend you one way or the other Um, and and I began to weep and I, I I I don't know if it was from a religious root or whatever it was, um, but that day, uh, that night, something broke in me that was absolutely transformative in my life. And I knew that that was another level of upgrade that I received in my sonship. Mm. 
That's beautiful. And by the way, you have been a phenomenal son ever since. And you're one of those, if any one of you, I hope you're following us on social media. But if you do that, you will probably see Tariq's name is there. And he's one of our biggest cheerleaders. He is one that is leaning his heart. He's one that is, and he's been with me in the Philippines and other places too. So it's just one of those those sons. There, I have some sons that are out there that kind of are just waiting for somebody to father them. And then you have some of those sons that I call, you have sons of blessings. They're waiting for the father and they are there because of what blessing they're going to get. And then there are sons and daughters of inheritance. And, and, and Tariq is one of those sons of inheritance, similar like Elijah that is pursuing his father, continue to go after his father. And I've just watched the favor and the giftings and everything that God has done in your life. I'm interested, just introduce a little bit. First, tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Lindsay, the kids, just so people, I want them to know the family. We are a kingdom family. So we want to know your family. Love it. Love it. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about my wife and my kids. Uh, Married uh, happily for 17 years. We just celebrated our 17th year. I took her to um, uh, Adirondacks and we saw the beautiful leaves. He hung out and took a walk and enjoyed two two uh, meals, not just one. So uh, husbands, you can take your wife twice when you have your anniversary. Uh, so, so we really uh, are, are happily married and um, been married for 17 years. Our, our eldest uh, son, Joseph, uh, he's 15 sophomore in high school, which makes me about 12 years old. I'm just kidding. Uh, daughter, Lakaya, she is 13, so she's a teenager as well. And our youngest, Michaela, just turned nine. And uh, they are our, our joys. They're amazing kids, and each one of them is, is, is different. Uh, Joseph has more of that uh, pastoral lamb uh, heart, uh, but, but uh, the lion of justice kind of comes out of him often. Lakaya is our dreamer and our creative, very, very similar to Courtney, uh, your, your daughter. And... Um, Michaela is a lot like Catherine. Um, Michaela is 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 feisty and and, and she is spicy, and we, and we love her to pieces. So I'm going to make sure that Catherine and Courtney get this podcast. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That, that that is awesome. And and a couple of things about you, just because you have a very unique anointing. I know one of the things we have together is the nations, but you also have a mixture between the kingly and the priestly anointing. And that's a very unique because a lot of people are out there in tension. Am I supposed to be in ministry or in the marketplace? And you kind of are living in a dance between both of those roles. Share a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, 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 been the, it's been the tension and the dance for, for a very long time, but it's been absolutely beautiful, and I wouldn't change it for the world. So uh, real briefly, I spent um, six years in the U.S. military, so it was really uh, an amazing time. And I got offered to STARS, and it was an amazing uh, opportunity, and uh, I would be lying if I said there's some parts uh, of me that don't miss it. But uh, it was hell while I was in there, for sure. Um, but I learned a lot. I, I was a U.S. infantryman in the U.S. Army and, and really uh, learned a lot of valuable lessons and um, you know I can on another podcast share some of the stories that uh, that came through that time but afterwards I was kind of figuring out what, uh, what, what, what do I want to do? And so I ended up, uh, receiving clearly uh, a word from the Lord about going to, uh, Bible college, a little bit different than a ministry school at that time, uh, Elam Bible Institute. So shout out to EBI, uh, up in, uh, boondocks near Rochester, New York. And, uh, so I, I did that for three years, um, got a massive upgrade and met my wife. And after, uh, after we, we graduated, um, I did an internship, 
in 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 my local church in Connecticut, a wonderful church. Uh, uh, youth pastor is is still a very very dear friend of mine and a mentor in my life, uh, Eric Peoples. Did you know very well? Yeah, and he's dear, part of our family. Yeah, now. He is one hundred percent part of our family. And you're you're very dear friends with him, and he's a fun and he's a riot. Um, and so we, we just really, really appreciate him. So he took me under his wing uh, for many years. But for one year, I was uh, interning there, work with youth and children. And uh, we ended up getting married. And I had this, this choice. And, you know, am I going to continue on in more of a church vocational world? Or am I going to go in, into the marketplace? My father was uh, an attorney and a businessman. He owned multiple businesses. And so I, I worked for one of his businesses. And afterwards, I got an itch to try, uh, you know, um, working in business development, uh, B2B sales and, and adding value consultatively, um, understanding business pain and solving problems. And so ever since then, I've been uh, working, I've been blessed. Uh, we've had a roller coaster of experiences, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And we'll talk a little bit about my story of how I came to, to know Jesus. But he, he spoke to me very clearly and said, Tarek, I'm, I'm going to give you experiences that are unique to you and for your destiny. So for example is, he told me not to go in as an officer, but go in as enlisted. So the enlisted people will never be able to say, if you did become an officer, that you don't understand where where we're coming from. And so I've had that uh, kind of like, as you mentioned, attention, and I've been working in the marketplace, but also been uh, 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 volunteer staff in my local church, um, you know, being able to lead missions and outreach for the greater part of almost 20 years. And then uh, Tariq, the name Tariq, Shah is your last name, Sint is a province in Pakistan. So, uh, wow. Uh, so you are actually from Pakistan. That's right. That's and right. father that you talked about is Pakistani. And of course, that's a precious, precious country that I love so much that I'm giving my life for. So share a little bit about that background, because of course, Pakistan is an Islamic Republic of Pakistan. How, how were you raised? Yes. So um, I was raised in a Muslim home. Uh, I was raised uh, by a loving dad and a loving mom. And I was born in Karachi, Pakistan. Interestingly enough, I was born in a taxi cab mm-hmm. on the way to Aga Khan Hospital in Karachi, Pakistan in 1980. Very hot summer day in, in July in Pakistan. And as you've been there multiple <laughs> times, July is very hot. And um, uh, my, my father was, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. My father was here in America trying to pave the way. And my, my mom, you know, decided to have the baby without him being there. And so my uncle actually named me. And I think that that's extremely prophetic. My name, Tariq, has a historical significance in the Islamic world, but it also, um, the, the meaning in Arabic and Aramaic means bright morning star or one who leads the way or a door opener. And also historically, as you well know, uh, uh, Tariq bin Aziz was one of the, the, the top generals um, that, uh, uh, you know, came through in Spain and the, the, the Mount Jabal Tariq. So Gibraltar, the Strait of Gibraltar, Jabal in Arabic means mountain. So it's the mountain of Tariq. So it's also known as a, a warrior as well. And, and Shah is, is uh, the, the name Shah is Prince, Prince Princely. 
Wow. So, I mean, I think it pretty much describes you. I mean, we don't need to read your biography. I mean, just your name in itself. If people are around you and squeeze you, you can see that uh, there was something prophetic, even if they didn't know. So you grew up a Muslim, grew up in the mosque, grew up in uh, in an atmosphere. And, and it's fun because sometimes you and I maybe say something from the Al-Quran or, or certain thing from the Hadith and understand. It's fun for me to be around somebody that understand some of the worldview and everything. But tell me a little bit about that, being uh, growing up as a Muslim and, and, and also some of the things that is taking place as you now have come over here. And, and as I'm saying, you're part of our family here and, and a bigger family of the kingdom. But just share a little bit of that journey and the story. So 1982, we emigrated to uh, Houston, Texas, good old Tejas. And, um, you know, it makes sense. It's a little hot climate and there's a, a good Pakistani community there. So my father landed his feet, um, really appreciate my dad very much and the sacrifices he made. So 1982, we lived in Houston. My dad uh, is kind of a rags to riches story. And just for time's sake, giving people just a little glimpse into my life and, and how I was brought up, uh, he quickly got promoted. In three and a half years, we moved to Connecticut, lived there for a year. He got promoted again. We lived outside of um, uh, Detroit, Michigan, in Dearborn, which is the largest uh, Islamic population outside of the middle uh, um, uh, concentration uh, in America. Uh, and so that was the first time I was about uh, uh, seven years old. That was the first time we got introduced to actual Islamic studies. And so very similar to a, a Christian church where you'd have Sunday school and things like that. My parents felt it was important for us to kind of understand our religion and be able to uh, study and learn and, and, and grow. And so we did that uh, Every week we, we went, uh, you know, just like normal kids. They, we had recess. We had all those, you know, fun things. We we're just normal kids doing what normal kids do. Um, and we learned uh, Islam. We, we uh, actually started learning Arabic, which was really cool. So we, we started to understand the alphabet and, and speaking Arabic. Um, and then that was also the time where my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that was a, a very difficult time for us. Uh, shortly thereafter, my dad got promoted again. He's a high achiever. <laughs> and uh, we, we moved to outside of Cleveland, um, Ohio. And uh, my mother's uh, condition rapidly uh, deteriorated. I still had this... Ever, uh, how, how old were you then? I was, I, I was, when we moved to Cleveland, I was about nine, a little over nine years old. And uh, we had such a love for our mom. We, we obviously loved our dad, but but Mama was was Mama, and and um, it was it was then where I started to have such an insatiable hunger to know truth. Um, there's no other way I can I can uh, explain it. And so I was just in this pursuit of truth this whole time. And in Islam, as you well know, Leif, and and, and for our uh, listening audience. Um, there is ritualistic prayers, right? You pray five times a day and, and all those things. And some would say it's, you know, rote routine. If you're Sunni. If, if you're Sunni, that's right. If you're Shia, you're three. Yeah. Correct. So, yes, yes, you're right. And so, uh, so, so typically most of the Muslim world would, would, would be praying um, uh, three to five times a day. Uh, and uh, our persuasion... We, we, we prayed five. We, we, we do have some, some um, uh, a beautiful uh, Shia family as well. But our tradition, we, we prayed five times a day. And oftentimes, my, my dad would always tease and, you know, just kind of, you know, um, you know say, say a, a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, prayers. And, and, and we would just, we would enjoy 
our relationship and we would enjoy our pursuit of truth and, and pursuit um, of, of, of Allah, which is the name for God in Islam. And, but my father would notice me oftentimes. So there is the salat or the namaz in, in Pakistan and, uh, in, in, um, you know, Urdu that you would say namaz, which is the, the ritualistic prayers. And there is uh, dua. Dua means like a free prayer from your heart. It's not a rehearsed thing. My dad would say, oh, wow, is this our, our, our imam's son or, or what's going on? He just keeps doing duas. And so my, my, since an early age, I would always give free prayers, uh, free prayers to God. And, and, and I, I knew at that time there was, there was a hunger for me to know God in a personal way and to belong. And that's a key um, in, in my story is, is the longing for belonging. Wow. And just, uh, again, just what happened to your mom in this? Because So uh, we moved back to Connecticut. And in two years, uh, just before my 12th birthday, I was 11 years old, um, my mom uh, died of uh, breast cancer. And I have two, diff- two different reactions some people put their fist up in God's face. Other people turn towards God. That was the mark of my journey into knowing and having a radical encounter with Jesus. Um, Already at the age of 12? At, at 11, I've had encounters with, with God that I know were encounters with Jesus subsequently. And so for the next five years, I began to study the world's um, five major religions. So I'd say by 16 years old, I had a PhD in five major religions. I, I really studied insatiably. So did you, okay, just, uh, I know we have to have a whole lot of podcasts on this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Give me some highlight what you honor about each one of them. Yes. Do you remember Hinduism? Here's yes. what you liked about Buddhism, uh, Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Yeah. So I would say, uh, I would say for me, I, I kind of uh, honor, uh, respect uh, uh, Hindus. I respect all of them, Buddhists. But I kind of, sort of, uh, tongue in cheek, uh, landed on on three, right? And then I said, oh well, I don't really officially, you know, Judaism or whatever, you know. Um, and so I ended up saying, okay, it's one of these two. It's either Islam or Christianity, but there's no way God could have a son. So I was always hung up on this, how can God have a son, and why would he send his son to die on the cross so we can have access to God? I feel like I have access to God already, but for so many years, I never felt like I belonged. I never felt like I was home. I never felt like I really had a relationship with God. So I just kind of uh, jokingly said, I felt like, uh, um, you know, Islam was, uh, was the religion that um, at that time as, as, as a youth, I felt that Islam was right. And then what happened from there? Where did you go from there? So I ended up uh, becoming really, uh, you know, popular. <laughs> I was a popular kid in, in high school. And so uh, when I was a freshman, I met uh, uh, who then became my best friend very quickly. His name is Joshua Finley, and I, I know that you're very tight with him. And he, you guys did a podcast just recently. He came uh, out with a new book that I hope everybody read. Yes, yes. Uh, Overcome Grace is Greater Than Sin. And so uh, him and I became uh, pretty good friends. And it was interesting because the summer that Josh, uh, going into his freshman year, 
that's when he had a radical encounter um, with Jesus in Dominican Republic. And so I started becoming friends with him when he started becoming um, uh, serious in his relationship with God. And so we, you know, became friends and he invited me to his youth group. And I went to the youth group and I was like, okay, that's cool, you know, whatever. And then I went uh, home and I kind of told my dad, I said, oh, I just went to my friend's, you know, youth group church. And my dad's like, oh, whatever, you know, kind of like, you know, nothing negative and nothing positive, just was a normal uh, interaction. And so, but when I left Josh's youth group, I wanted to go back, but I didn't say anything to him. And so he offered again, we we had another youth event um, just probably about six months later. And it was kind of a lock-in, you know, back in the day, we, we, you know, you did lock-ins and stuff like that. And um, so I went, I went to, to the lock-in and we had a blast. And I just remember as if it was yesterday, dribbling the basketball, looking around, and I'm looking at these young these youth that are my friends, my age, my peers, and some of them went to my high school, so so I knew them, and others, you know, mo- many I didn't know, and I'm as if it was yesterday, life. I'm sitting there and saying, "There's something different about these kids. There's something different about. Look at how happy they are." Could I just stop for a second? I just want to encourage, even if you're young people, and this is so important in this season, just that, uh, that that we live an authentic Jesus life. We don't need to be perfect, but we need to be real. And uh, so I just, uh, I'm so glad that you met some chair number one believers, somebody that was real and uh, uh, not orphans, but sons and daughters. So continue. Absolutely. I don't remember one time that Josh Finley actually in that entire year actually gave me the five spiritual laws or the Romans roads or anything like that. Nothing wrong with that. If, if that's what you feel the Lord is calling you to do, but Josh was in tune with the Holy spirit and he loved me well. And there was something that was happening. And I know the scripture says that, um, how can anyone come unless the Holy spirit draws him? So I knew that the Holy spirit was doing something inside of me over that whole year. And so just fast forwarding, I was at uh, the mosque one day. It was, uh, uh, August of 1996, and I was at the mosque in Connecticut, uh, uh, outside of Hartford, and it's a very large mosque at that time, and I was outside. We just got done with uh, a certain prayer activities, and we were outside, and it was a beautiful August day in Connecticut, and I heard this voice say, go to Josh's church. I didn't think anything of it. A couple of seconds later, I heard the voice again say, go to Josh's church. Didn't know anything at that point was kind of like, you know, did I have bad pizza <laughs> that morning? What, 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 what did I do? Did I have a bad breakfast or did I drink something that made me feel ill? And then the third time I had enough because remember, I was seeking truth and I was, I understood enough that you can hear God's voice. And the third time I said, Jesus, is that you? And at that moment, I can't express, I can't explain what happened, but um, some of our uh, uh, listeners would know Carrie Underwood. So I feel like she owes me some royalties because I got into my car, couldn't explain to my family. I didn't know what to do. I was like, how am I going to, what am I going to lie? How am I going to do this? Doctrinally, you guys can figure that out later. But I got into my car and Jesus took the wheel. And so 
I, I, you know, when Carrie Underwood come, came up with that song, I was like, man, I know what she means. Jesus took the wheel. And I supernaturally got to Joss's church, which was about 20 minutes away. I was greeted uh, by some ushers. I, I explained to them, you know, the only family I knew, which was the Finley family. And they escorted me to his, uh, his seat. And Josh was extremely shocked to see me, uh, obviously happy, but there was no open invitation. Uh, there was open invitation, but no specific invitation for that Sunday. And so, uh, I came into this church and, uh, they started, you know, uh, hitting on drums and started playing guitar and singing and doing all these different things. And, and from my uh, upbringing, that wasn't something that I experienced. And so I went through, uh, you know, very respectfully and very, very honorably this, this, uh, Time of worship, and then the lead pastor uh, gave a message. I don't remember the message to this day, but then afterward he gave an appeal: uh, "Don't leave this place without looking to your neighbor and asking them if they want to know Jesus Christ." The same voice that spoke to me about two hours earlier and said, <laughs> "Dodic," because that's he speaks to me in my, you know, um, just, native language yeah. in, in Urdu pronunciation. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. And and so he said, "Dodic," he said, "Come home, come home. You want to belong? Come home." And I started weeping and Josh looked over at me and Josh was like, what in the world's going on? You know what I mean? He's like, what happened to this guy? Did we offend him? What's going on? And, uh, and I said, Josh, I, I don't have language for it. I mean, how can you expect somebody, you know, to, to come into the church? And, um, and I just want to encourage you, you pastors and leaders out there, love well uh, the people that God brings your way. Um, Josh didn't expect me to know the language. I said, Josh, I think I want to do, and I pointed with my finger up, up towards the, the altar, uh, and I said, I think I want to do what that guy just said um, uh, f- uh, for all of us to do, to, to, to invite Jesus into your life. And Josh and I kind of went back and forth for about 30 seconds, and it wasn't that Josh was arguing with me. He was realizing that something supernatural was happening and that it would cost me something. And so um, he walked me up. I gave my life to Christ. I wept. The best way I can uh, put it, um, Papa Leif, is this way. Your wife is a baker, Mama Jen. Love her to pieces. <laughs> you were just there with her yeah, tasting somewhere. It was really this good, actually, this morning. This morning yeah. Yeah. Um, you put the mittens on when you grab um, something hot out of the oven. And then when you touch the mittens afterward, they're not burning up, they're, 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 but, but they're warm. I felt such a warmth like that over my body that I cannot explain. And after that, the same voice that talked to me two hours ago, the same voice that talked to me five minutes ago said, welcome home. And I didn't know what to do. All I know is I knew that I belonged and that my life would never be the same again. As you say, everyone wants a God who looks a lot like Jesus. And I felt like I was loved. I was valued. Uh, something transpired. Something different happened in my life. And um, over those next few months, I didn't know how to express to my family. Quite honestly, I didn't tell them. Um, I didn't know how to express, uh, express to my father you know, that, I, that I'm a Christian now. Fast forwarding the story just a little bit, three months, there is a, a group at our high school, high school was you know fairly large, like like some high schools here in in, uh, uh, in, in the Georgia area, in Atlanta area, and there was a club um, by some precious, fired up uh, uh, youth, peers of mine in high school, upperclassmen, and it was uh, a 
Bible study group, right? And it was by the AOG, fired up amazing young people that said, uh, hey, you know, we, we heard that you're a Christian. We'd love for, for you to come and be a part of this and, and whatnot. And for whatever reason, I said yes. Now, my best friend Josh, who was discipling me at that point, wasn't a part of this group. You know, he uh, we both played sports, but the sport he played conflicted with that. And uh, the sport I played didn't conflict with that. So I was in this Bible study, and this is a very relevant story, Um and part of the story in, in my walk is we decided, I don't know if, if a lot of our uh, listeners would remember this, but uh, Pat Robertson had a campaign of the Book of Hope, 700 Club and the Book of Hope at that time. And so right then, um, they, they said, you know, we got approval. We did everything legally. We, we got the superintendent, the board to approve, and, and we, we, we got a, a, a grant to get 700 of these Book of Hopes, and we're going to go hand And now I'm like, time out. You want me to act on this now? My sister goes to this school. How is this going to look and, and what's going to happen? And so now um, all those thoughts are coming through my head. How do I navigate through this? But I just felt like, you know, to be bold and courageous and I'm reading the book of Acts and all these amazing exploits. And I'm saying, you know what? No, I've got to take a stand and, um, you know, hand these books out to give hope to, to, to my friends and, and, and stuff in, in high school. So I ended up doing that and my sister got wind of it. And uh, after uh, we, we lived very in proximity to the high school, so we were walkers instead of uh, busing. And so I walked home and uh, just coming up my back of my driveway. Um, so to go into the basement, there was a bunch of stuff on the lawn. And you know, this is kind of weird. And as I got closer to it, it was most of my belongings. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I had a pit of hell feeling. And so just a few months before, I had a radical encounter with Jesus, and I felt love like I've never felt before. And then three months after, I have a hellish feeling that I've never felt before. And um, that was a very difficult day. I went up uh, the stairs and landed, came into our living room and um, had a very interesting conversation with my father. And that was an extremely difficult time. Uh, it came to a, uh, a head, and my father basically, like Abraham did to Ishmael, um, you know, here's a, some, some bread and some water, and, you know, gave him a swift kick in the butt and said, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more. And it was, uh, it was a very difficult time. Uh, I love my father. I honor my father. I really encourage people to read R.T. Kendall's book, uh, Total Forgiveness. And so this is not uh, any way, shape, or form uh, uh, dishonoring to my father, but it was, it's part of my story. And it was a very, very difficult time to feel um, orphaned. And uh, six years walking through life and, uh, you know, not feeling... Um, loved and valued. And so a lot of those roots of the orphan spirit um, that is connected to Ishmael uh, started manifesting in my life. So all of a sudden I am loved. I am, I am a, a, a follower of Christ. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. But yet I, I just feel such insecurity. I feel such a, a need to perform. I feel such a need to do all these things. And it wasn't until I um, met my wife at Bible college and we started dating in 2002. I told my father about her. Eventually we sat down and met. And it was that moment, six years later, that um, uh, just the Holy Spirit came into that room where we had dinner that night. And God used my wife in such a 
amazing way that brings such healing and restoration to my relationship with my father. And to this day, my father and I are tighter than ever. Um, My father is just an amazing man and he's uh, learned to really respect and honor um, Jesus. He sends me text messages on on Christmas and Easter about the significance of of Jesus and what he's done to mankind. I save those texts as memory stones and... um, well, what I want to encourage our, our listeners is Muslims are just like anybody else. They're just walking the earth. They're looking for a God that looks a lot like Jesus. And you might be the only Jesus that, uh, the only Bible that they ever read. And loving, honoring, respecting, practically inviting them over, doing anything like that will go a long way rather than trying to argue them, argue them into the kingdom. And so uh, I had some few friends that uh, tried to prove to me how Jesus was a son of God and that didn't work too well. But yet I had a friend who just leaked love and prayed for me and my life was absolutely transformed in 1996. I do sensing that, uh, first of all, I'm just very grateful uh, that God brought you, brought Lindsay, brought your family into my life, into our life, into GMA as a kingdom family. And just, of course, for me, it's a special gift having a Pakistani son. I know you have your heavenly father, you have your natural father, you have a spiritual father, so you have, you're full of fathers in your life. But I do sensing that one of the things I wanted to, for you to release to our family, uh, because I just think that there is an importation even now in the way that we represent a little bit what Josh did for you. Uh, some of the things that you are leaking on other people. I just sensing that in this season that we're living with so much division and so much tension and so much brokenness that people is going to have an encounter with a God that looks like Jesus. No guilt, no shame, no fear, but just to receive, just to receive the very grace so that we will be with him, become like him, and live and love like him. That's the three things. Be with him, become like him, and then live and love like Jesus because that's what you experience. And I know that there are so many other people, they're looking for belonging. They want to find their place at the family table just like you have found your place there. And they want to find their special sauce. So I want you to release that prayer over our kingdom family and I just uh, I just honor you publicly I celebrate you Tariq and I just wanted you to know that I'm very very proud of you so bless us oh, I love you before I pray I just want to say this something that's just been touching my heart over this last seven eight months during this pandemic has been how we share the kingdom matters so greatly to Jesus. So, Father, I just ask right now in Jesus' name that you would touch all my friends, brothers and sisters. God, I ask in Jesus' name that you would flood them with your love, that you would transform them, that you would give them an upgrade in understanding. Father, even now, I thank you that you are a friend that sticks closer even than a brother. I pray in Jesus' name that you would captivate their hearts, that you would show them how awesome you are and how much you love them. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that when they're touched or when there's a a difficulty in their life, what comes out of them would be the fruit of the Spirit, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. 
Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would give them sunglasses, that you would give them your perspective. Father, as they see people, as they see Muslims, God, I pray that you would give them insight, wisdom, and revelation, words of knowledge. God, I pray that you would supernaturally infuse them with boldness and courage. God, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would bless them, that in this hour, there are so many Muslims looking for a God that looks like Jesus. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for my best friend, Josh, who demonstrated and, and, and looked a lot like Jesus. So, Father, I just bless everyone listening. I pray you would encourage them today. And I pray that you would give them a fresh perspective. And I just even ask that you would cause even some to have a heart to pray for Muslims. And we know as they uh, cry and as they weep and as they pray, God, it will produce such a harvest in the Muslim world. 30, 60, 100 fold. God, we're believing you for hundreds of millions of Muslims to come to repentance toward God and faith in Jesus because everyone wants a God who looks like Jesus. Lord, I thank you. For, I, I, I'm excited and I'm thankful for what you're doing all across the world and Muslims coming to Christ and seeing uh, visions and dreams of you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we get to be a part of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I encourage you to share this with some friends. This is contagious. And we do want to spread this love and goodness virus all over so that there can be an incredible a pandemic all over the world where people get to taste and see how good Papa God is. Look forward to talk to you next time. Love you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.